0: So, what would you like to talk about this evening, Mr
1: (laughs) We were discussing last time about electric cars and you've sent me something about uh, Mr Money Mustache and his love of electric cars. Do you want to talk on that for two minutes?
0: I'm not sure there's a huge amount to say. Um, Mr Money Mustache did an update on his spending over the past year and his anticipations for the next year. There was a theme of spending more than he had previously, but it's still being a lot less than his peers when he had conversations. But he had this throwaway comment about looking ahead to the next year, he might be spending a lot more because the Tesla Model Y is coming out and he's completely in love with it. And I just thought, you know, if there's anyone that can say that electric cars are fi-friendly, surely it's Mr Money Mustache himself.
1: (laughs) So when people ask the question, is that Phi, then we can say clearly.
0: We can point to one of our holy books, basically.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yep, yep Which also, incidentally, does genuinely nicely segue onto the other topic of conversation for today Which is the portfolio income strategy Again, we're popping back to a blog by Uncommon Dream uh, Who's the author? Give us a second We'll edit this out, don't worry about it Um is the author? Why can I not find that? So we're going back to a blog uh, by Michael at Uncommon Dream about the seven ways to escape the rat race. And, And way number two is the portfolio income strategy. Now, in my opinion, this is the bread and butter core central idea of FI. This is Mr. Money Mustache. In a couple of paragraphs, this is exactly what the diehard fanatics talk about when they talk about Phi. Would you agree with that?
0: Like last week, I tried to summarize my comments into one big summary at the top. And what I've got in bold at my notes here is why are we even talking about this? Basically, I agree with you. It is the sort of vanilla Phi, would be the phrase I would have for it. Yeah. Two to take. Fire without any of the augmentations and personal adjustments that people put on it. This is the, the core philosophy.
1: Yep, that is um, increase your income, it's decrease your expenses and it's do something... Um to invest the difference. For all that you might call it vanilla FI, this is what got me interested in FI. And I think you could say the same for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, and I absolutely. I think it's what made the whole FI community seem interesting to me because it was the kind of strategy I was already interested in so that's not a very elegant way of putting it but yeah basically that's what got me interested as well i think if we're summarizing it it's fair to say that it's not just investing the difference in your earning and spending but specifically earning it investing it in things like index linked funds something really safe really simple and fairly automated
1: yeah so if this is the core central If this is the orthodoxy of Phi, why have people moved on from this? Why is this not what we talk about so much anymore?
0: I I think to some extent, It is because people are always making it more personal for themselves. There's a cynic in me that wants to say it's just because people need something else to talk about. It is actually remarkably simple. There's only so many ways you can describe what is a very straightforward and efficient investment strategy. And so it's all the exceptions and the adjustments and the way that works slightly better for you that makes for interesting chatter.
1: Yeah. And how does that compare to strategy one, which was just the status quo, work till you retire?
0: Well, the reason that I've said for both of these, you know, why are we even talking about them, is that they're very, very boring by themselves. Um, If you're talking about the status (laughs) quo strategy, it's just spend the money you earn. If you talk about the portfolio income strategy, it's not spending what you earn and saving it all. And indeed, (laughs) if you manage to get To the mythical 100% savings rate that every fire starter dreams of. You can
1: retire today. Right, so explain that to me because that when I first heard the 100% savings rate idea, it made my head hurt a little bit. Talk me through it. Let
0: let, let me get a little table up somewhere. So we'll go with the classic Mr Money Moustache himself. Table of the shockingly simple math behind early retirement.
1: If there was such a thing as a holy book of fi, this would be the first page of every single chapter. This would be written all the way throughout.
0: And he's laid it all out. You've got your savings rate at 5%, 66 years until retirement. 10%, Oof. 51 years, 15%, 43 years. So now we're getting into the sensible numbers. Once you get to 50%, I think we're talking really, really starting to get hardcore-fi. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. 17%. But of course, is it it's a, it's a logarithm? I always feel like I should understand logarithms, but I don't. It starts oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to kind of tail off there. 70%, percent you got eight and a half years. 90% is under three years. When you get to 100% savings rate, it's zero years to retirement because as soon as you save anything, your expenses are zero. You've covered your expenses for life.
1: Yeah, but how does 100% savings rate even make sense? What are we talking about there?
0: I d- I, mean, I don't think it actually makes any sense. It's entirely a joke. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what about the person who's essentially reached FI whose expenses are all covered by their portfolio and they're just not yet left the workforce. So their full income is superfluous. Are they not saving 100%? So
0: that's more about how much you've saved rather than your savings rate, because your savings rate is your total income from all sources minus what you spend.
1: Of course, you're right. You're right. I was thinking it's... Um... Yeah. So, how can you reach one hundred percent? Then, is is about reducing your outgoings to zero? Then,
0: yeah, reduce your outgoings to zero. So, it's it's impossible. You know, if it depends how you look at it. You could pretend you're at a hundred percent savings rate by not spending any money, by actually spending a huge amount of time being like self sufficient um, on a lovely craft in the Outer Hebrides. Um, but I don't think that counts in the holistic sense as a 100% savings rate because you're still investing a lot of time, effort and resources. Have you ever read
1: a book called The Moneyless Man?
0: I'm afraid I have not.
1: Okay, it's a a book about the author who gives up his life and goes for a full year without spending a single penny and he's got a lot of rules to it which are actually very fair rules like he can't stockpile things ahead of time and, and such like. And he manages it and it's impressive at the same time he's living on a farm working 16 hour days and he th- there's one point where he's uh, hitchhiking across the country and he leaves something in the person's car and because he's explained to this person that he is having a year without spending any money that the the guy who's giving him a, a drive realizes how incredibly valuable every position is to this moneyless man and therefore leaving I think it's something like a water bottle or a watch or something quite something that could have been replaced yeah and so the the driver of the car then spends all night driving round in circles trying to find the moneyless man to give him his things back <laughs> And he tells this anecdote in the book as if this is amazing. It it just tells you how fantastic people are, and it does. But it also says that if you really, truly want to live without money, there are then potentially impacts on other people too. The only way this guy managed to survive a whole year without spending a single penny was by working very, very hard and by asking a lot of the people around about him. So I would agree with you. I think the idea of being truly moneyless in that way, it doesn't seem in any way appealing. Yeah.
0: And even then you're using up something that can be very readily compared with money in almost any hypothetical scenario.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a, a resource that can't be replaced. Is your time and your energy and your motivation and all of these things can't be replaced indefinitely. So
0: when I mentioned the 100% savings rate to you, I don't think it's actually a thing in the real world. But it's a useful concept when we get to what makes these two strategies interesting. So the portfolio income strategy is a little bit boring in itself. It's been done to death. It's really effective. But if you were to take it to its extreme, it stops making sense. If you start Uh saving more and more and more, spending less and less and less, you're doing absolutely nothing right now for the dream of doing very little forever, if
1: that makes sense. So run that by me again. I think you explained it well, but I'm just... Just run by me one more time. I don't
0: think I did. The portfolio income strategy overemphasized has the risk of well, the way they put it in the blog is actually the way I think is best to describe it. The life deferment trap where you put everything on hold now for the dream of retiring on your investment. Yeah. And the sort of exaggerated version of that in my mind is the hundred percent savings rate, would you've gone beyond the sensible limits and actually you're living a less happy life as a result. And as you put in your anecdote, potentially impacting on other people and making their lives maybe not less happy in that scenario. It could be in many other scenarios, less happy for other people around you.
1: Yeah. There are a lot of us out there who quite easily become quite obsessed with ideas, certainly for a short period of time and it seems like it would be a really easy thing to step into. Have you ever found yourself tending towards the 100%?
0: I mean, certainly not in terms of actual figures. I think the closest I've got is 50%. Wow. But I, And that's for a short time, so whether or not that even counts I don't know. Yeah. But it is very compelling to a certain mind um, and I find it compelling to try and up that figure because it does seem so powerful. You know, the more you save right now, you've got 20 years for that to accumulate. And if I don't do it now, I'm missing the best opportunity to save. If I do it five years from now, it's much less effective. So I need to do it now and it needs to be as much as possible and I can have the fun later. Yeah. And part of me enjoys that thinking and the gaming Hmm. of it and the trying to like improve your score. (laughs) Yeah but I feel like I can become fixated on it.
1: One of the aspects that would make a game enjoyable is a bit of a changing goalpost, a bit of a a, a development in some sense. One of the problems I see with those really high savings rates is for the figures to work out in terms of the way it's suggested in Mr Money Mustache's um, wonderful, wonderful post is that you are essentially keeping that lifestyle indefinitely
0: yeah absolutely it entirely depends on you maintaining that frugal lifestyle
1: yeah and that stops being a game that starts being a prison
0: yes oh depending on how you set it up but yeah very much so if you make it so you have to maintain that lifestyle either through habit or by cutting ties to sources of income too early, and then, yeah, it's very much a prison.
1: And I guess that's why we hear a lot of conversation over things like fat fire and thin fire and all of these kind of different definitions of where that, that five point is. But just as a, an overview concept, I can see for all that this is such an important idea and and for a lot of people will be paradigm changing. It is also, in my mind, somewhat too simplistic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the portfolio income strategy is exciting when you hold up against the status quo strategy. And then I think the status quo strategy laid out like it is in this article is exciting in its own way because it's held against the portfolio income strategy that all of us have maybe become a little bit obsessed with. Yeah. So when you find yourself away from wherever this magic balance point is, seeing the other side of it is quite inspiring Uh so you have that exposure to the whole concept of fire of saving aggressively and you see the huge potential of if i just cut out the stuff in my life that i'm just kind of doing out of habit and don't actually want i could achieve so much more maybe i'm retiring earlier maybe i'm doing something else but there's power there and there's control of your life and then you go all in on it and then I feel like there's a second phase revelation where you realise that actually if I ease off on this obsession with retiring early, particularly if you actually enjoy what you're doing, there's a lot of stuff I could do now it might not be an expensive hobby, it might be supporting some local project that you're really passionate about that you wouldn't otherwise be able to fund.
1: Absolutely I like uh, one of the things you touched on there is the idea that it's through that control, through that discipline, that you then can build in that that flexibility, that freedom. That really resonates with me. How so? Do you know the quote, discipline equals freedom? I don't, but
0: that sounds like a good
1: okay. quote. Yeah, so there's a, an ex-Marine American guy uh, called Jocko Wilkes who has written one of the best management books, in my opinion, that has ever been written. And it, there's something strange that shouldn't be strange about it and that he is this absolutely humongous physically intimidating guy and the book he's written is just exceptional and there's something in me that just has that prejudice of the most physically impressive humans out there shouldn't also be able to come up with good ideas.
0: Well, we should talk anyway. about astronauts another time.
1: Well, well of course. <laughs> but those those guys are just something else. Yeah. Um, so yes, this is author Jocko Wilkes. Now, I believe it's actually a, a refinement of a much much earlier quote that I'm trying to rack my brain to find the original and I can't remember where it's from, but Um, His recurring theme is that discipline equals freedom, that if you have the discipline to show up to work every day, you can build yourself the position and the power to then determine what work you do and how you do it. For example, if you have the discipline to go out and exercise every day, you then end up with having the freedom of having a physically... Healthy body, and I, I just really like it. I think it's an absolutely fantastic idea. One of the criticisms of the portfolio strategy is that you are depriving yourself, or you might be depriving yourself. And of course, we've just spoken about those real extreme circumstances, and I think it's possible to deprive yourself very easily, I would imagine. But I also think actually, part of the process of getting The freedom that you want is through that process of being disciplined. And if you are able to control your spending, control the things that you care less about, it gives you much more freedom to then have money and time for the things you do care about.
0: Yeah, I think the constraining your spending and specifically constraining your spending on the things you don't really in your heart of hearts want the most when you tally up all your priorities, I think that's hard to argue with. What I worry about when it comes to the portfolio income strategy is where you constrain your spending on everything you can, or just, let's say you just hold back on the things you don't really want. And then you divert all of that to index linked funds, because that's what you're supposed to do as a, a good chaser of FI. And it, it neglects the possibility that having a big, stable portfolio of index funds might not be the highest thing on your priority list when you really Hmm. introspect and look at yourself. So the the discipline to decide what you want seems to be the thing that matters and the thing that underpins all of this.
1: Yeah. I have to say, and I've enjoyed talking to you about that, there is obviously a lot that we could touch on about things like the 4% rule or the 3.5% rule or the 6% rule or however you take it. And there's a lot of different things about investing and what index funds and things like that mean. I would be surprised if anyone has got this far in the conversation and they don't already have some sort of idea about these things. Do you feel like we should say more?
0: I feel like we've maybe glossed over what the portfolio income strategy is because we assume everyone understands it. We just kind of went, oh, you save lots of money, you put it in index funds. That's it. Um, It probably is fair. If anyone's been confused about it, I'd encourage them to send an email to... What's my email address, Stuart?
1: It's ian at findingfire.co.uk. The problem with that is that that Ian spells his name in what I would count to be the correct way, but the way that 99% of the rest of the world does not spell Ian. And this creates a big problem. So Ian is spelled. With two eyes and A and an N.
0: But not in that or, order. It's I A, A, I N. So it's one I, one A, <laughs> one I, one N. Not two eyes and A and an N. Let's not confuse people, sure.
1: <laughs> I thought they would get it. We've got an exceptional high class of listener. I thought they would be able to work that one out.
0: I mean I agree with part of what you just said
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, they're obviously a bit high quality yeah um yes so that is Ian spell i a i n at findingfire.co.uk Ian at findingfire.co.uk
0: so yeah email I, I've forgotten what we're asking about <laughs> but if people have any comments they can send an email to that I will definitely read it. I am not 100% sure I'll reply to it, but um, almost certainly we will discuss your email on the podcast unless it's yes. extremely interesting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, and again, I would just like to remind people that they can, of course, catch Ian by carrier pigeon. That is usually the most reliable way.
0: Well, it depends on the weather, as do many things. But yeah, carrier pigeon will work very well in, in the months of April to july carrier pigeon is the best way to get me and the rest of the year you're just gonna have to just stick your finger in the wind and hope for the best (laughs) coming back to the actual subject for a moment and we've talked a lot about the two extremes here you've got you know saving all your money blindly and something that you maybe don't care about and you've got spending all your money blindly on things that you don't necessarily want where do you Stuart, think the balance is there how, would, how do you even begin to describe that?
1: I, I, I find that difficult to say because I don't know. I've not decided where the balance is myself. I think that part of finding that balance is continuing to be flexible with it. I have found in the past that I have become quite frustrated with myself for that balance shifting in my own life and, and with reflection that's just because my priorities or my goals or whatever have changed and that has to be um, allowed if we're going to make a good attempt at, at doing phi in a way that is fun and enjoyable and sustainable. So I think the first step to finding the balance is to accept that that balance is going to shift over time. Now that I've given you a complete cop-out answer I think it's um it's hard because you've got to balance the not making life significantly more difficult for yourself than it needs to be while also doing enough to make a difference and doing enough to make it fun now talking of our future investments i think i can hear one of your future investments in the background
0: yes uh it is um something like ah an hour an hour and a half past baby wren's bedtime but he does oh. not think so. So oh, he's been a little bit unwell. Mm. He's been a little oh. bit upset.
1: You asked me how, where I feel the balance lies. Would you feel the balance lies between saving everything and spending everything? I
0: I think the comment you made about discipline probably is a good summary in itself, and that the balance isn't so much about a particular savings rate being right, but about knowing yourself and being both honest about your priorities and then having the discipline to, as strange as it sounds, force your priorities upon yourself because habits yeah, are hard you're, to you're, change and even things you don't enjoy too, doing.
1: It's the discipline to move your future priorities in front of your current priorities.
0: Yeah, but even, I think even more than that, um, even if you're just talking about your priorities for the present moment, it's so common that you end up doing things that you don't care about or want to do in the slightest. And that, yeah. that definitely is where discipline comes in. In terms of how Absolutely. you use your time and knowing what you enjoy in the moment, knowing what you enjoy in the long term and structuring your life to make those things happen.
1: Too true. Very profound, Ian, and I agree 100%. Well,
0: oh, that's nice. Yeah. We'll need to find something we disagree on and then we can have a good debate about it. <laughs> um, do you have
1: any suggestions? I Don't, um, maybe next time you can recommend me a good mattress I think I can I have had an epic saga with mattresses And I think I've found one that I like What, really?
0: (laughs) I... (laughs) I did not expect you. Okay, so maybe we've got something here that we can debate. Um, I thought you would also agree that any kind of searching for a good mattress is just a fool's errand.
1: absolutely agree it is a fool's errand, but I would count myself a fool now, so that's fine.
0: Is there anything else you wanted to discuss um, tonight? Because I probably should head along very shortly.
1: Yeah, I think you should go and see the little one. That's a very cute voice.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's chatting away. Thank you for taking the time to chat.
1: Bye, Hazel.
0: Bye, Hazel. (laughs)
1: some important questions to ask first so first one if you had a choice between having constantly growing to excessive length body hair that was uncontrollable or an uncontrollable body odour what would you choose between those two?
0: Instantly I want to try and debate what exactly you mean by uncontrollable.
1: So growing at the rate of uh, a few centimetres every hour just so you would have to essentially like you you would either be more hairy than a yeti within a day or you would have to like shave every single day
0: okay or uncontrollable body odor
1: it's just a constant (sighs) thing you just it's just what you have to live with just bad enough for the people in the room with you can smell it
0: that that's tricky um i feel like the hair one more people will be able to deal with but no one, apart f- well, apart from people with specific tastes, no one would necessarily be all that comfortable around me. But like most of them would get by. Whereas the body odour, very few people would be able to tolerate me. But there's a lot of people yeah. that just have no sense of smell.
1: Oh, well, that's true. So some people would be unaffected.
0: Yes. So it depends whether so you want to saying- have almost completely normal interactions with a small set of people or... Disturbed interactions with pretty much everyone.
1: I think my answer to that would be different to your answer to that because obviously the second case scenario is a big marked improvement on your normal day to day. So <laughs> I can see why that would be uh, <laughs> quite attractive.
0: And, you know, I'm not sure which specific insult you're giving me there. <laughs> Do you know, I had a job um, where. I quickly got the nickname the Yeti. Right. And um my boss on one Friday afternoon and like it, it wasn't extremely friendly. I'm not gonna say it wasn't nice, but it wasn't overtly friendly. But in a moment of what seemed like bizarre friendliness, he said, So Ian, have you got any plans this weekend? And he waited just a few seconds for me to get to the point where I just was about to answer, to continue for a haircut (laughs) and the most frustrating thing about him asking whether I had plans this weekend for a haircut was that I did in fact have plans that weekend (laughs) for a haircut and then I was faced with a choice like do I get the haircut that I wanted anyway or not get the haircut just to look like I can't be manipulated by passive aggressive comments
1: Oh, I I would have struggled with that one. I I think the answer to that would have been to go in for option C, and that's to get a haircut that you didn't want. <laughs> so, like, get a mohawk or something like that, you know.
0: Well, um, I think what happened in the one. end was that I didn't get a haircut, but for reasons out with my control.
1: I I I'm proud of you, and I'm glad you can square that up with your own a set of standards there
0: standards that's very generous of you thank you
1: <laughs> talking of of standards um how's that for a segue <laughs> it's <laughs> completely useless i think is what you're going to say cuz in no way relates it's both elegant
0: <laughs> elegant and completely directionless